Shut up and sit down. Critical masturbators. This is the Rockness Monster without Dan. Dan is not with me and uh, doing a one-man pop-up podcast on Star Wars The Last Jedi. That would be Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. Continuing the story of Rey, Finn, and Poe with, of course, the characters we all know and love, Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and uh, Admiral Akbar, actually. With that being said, before I get started, um, and this is going to be a full breakdown. I want to break the movie down starting at the beginning all the way to the end of the film. If you are not a Star Wars fan, just literally turn this off immediately because you're going to be super bored. Also, uh, I'm definitely going to be full of spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, first of all, you're an idiot if you haven't seen it yet. Go see the fucking movie. Go see the fucking movie. Now, so, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you know, don't listen to this unless you just don't give a shit, in which case, whatever. Um, But before, even again, before I get started, and I know this is just a lot of speaking right now, but get used to it. Um, Moving forward... I want to address the hate really quick. A lot of people said a lot of outlandishly crazy things about how, like, this movie ruined Star Wars and how it didn't make any sense. And first of all, it's a fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm the biggest Star Wars fan I know. And those of you that are friends of mine who've known me for a long time know how big of a fan of Star Wars I am. There's no question of that. Absolutely no question of how big of a fan as I am. My favorite is, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Um, still will be my favorite. It's the benchmark for not only all Star Wars films, but all films in my mind. But being that big of a fan, I am still going to say it's just a movie. Like, it's a movie. It's a movie that's had a huge impact on my life. I, I mean... A movie. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here in my basement studio, staring at a toy ad at that I got when I was like ten, and I still have it. I'm th- gonna be 32 years old. If that tells you my fandom, I have uh, a gift from my brother. I got this year. I believe I talked about it in a previous episode. Is a Luke Skywalker action figure. Uh, pre-97. It's actually 96. So that's before even the special editions came out. And it's funny to say something in 1996 was bought at an antique store. Yeah, that's pretty funny. But that's how big... That I'm a huge... I have a Star Wars tattoo. Okay? I, I'm just... I'm trying to describe my fandom to you and how much Star Wars means to me. Yet I'm still like a rational adult who knows it's just a movie and it's created a way of life but it's still just a movie so I understand if you were unhappy with the film and you have your own critiques for it that I can get that I can get behind 
But the unbridled hate, a petition to have the movie removed from canon, like, Jesus Christ, have we all forgotten about the Star Wars holiday special? Really? So that's really all I have to say about the hate. Um, I know I kind of drone on and on about it, but just, just hear me out. Like, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's too much. Doesn't make any sense to be that angry. <clears throat> like, to be that fucking angry. Blows my mind. So, if you have hateful things to say about the movie, I, I will delete your comments. I really just, I don't want to hear it. If you have constructive criticisms, you know, based on what you saw and what you wish you would have seen, by all means, post them right here on Facebook, and I will definitely read them and I'll respond. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't want to see this, like, you know, this needs to be removed from canon, and this movie was horseshit, and Ryan Johnson should burn in hell. Like, all that kind of stuff, Just I just don't want to be part of it. Um, again, constructive criticism, or if you want to talk about things you liked in the film, or if you want to rebuke um, any of the things that I say, um, and even correct me, um, because at times, and now I definitely am way above average in terms of my Star Wars knowledge and my repertoire. However, I know a few guys that are way, way past me in terms of Star Wars knowledge. So if any of you are listening to this and you have something to educate me on, by all means, I'm, welcome, I'm welcoming it and I'm open to it. Um, so please feel free to, again, comment. Um, I keep pointing down like you can see me. You know what I mean? Like you can like you're actually watching me do this right now. This is an audio pod. I have to tell myself, the Rockness Monster, that this is an audio only podcast. Um, someday we'll get video. With that being said, let's get on to the review. Let's talk about the film. Um, and let's talk about the beginning of the film. Um, the opening shot was fucking stellar the speeding through space like at a high speed and in 3d that was wild imax 3d whoo um it was gorgeous the opening shot was absolutely gorgeous just completely um i loved the um the star destroyers the new the those big ass new star destroyers uh, um what the dreadnought a dreadnought that's what it is um, the Dreadnought was gorgeous. It was so cool to look at. And speaking of ships, Snoke's ship was pretty wild, too. I mean, your typical triangle shape, but just the mass of those ships, the sizes of those are awesome. But, again, going on with the beginning of the film, um, we had Poe enter Poe to this, you know, space battle that hasn't yet begun. And he has some banter with Hux. And to be honest with you, but the first time I watched the film, I've seen it three times in the theater now. Um, the the first time I saw the film, it made me laugh. The you know holding for General Hux, General Hux holding for Hux. Um, you know I laughed, and a good portion of that laugh is because of how excited I was to fucking see Episode Eight that I've been waiting for two years to see. Um, however, on the second viewing, it it was fine but it lasted too long i think i th i think that star wars 
has kind of an inane built-in comedy. It always has been that way. It's not a comedy. However, the funny portions of the film are much more organic for all the Star Wars movies, as far as I'm concerned. This seemed less organic and more trying to push like slapstick into Star Wars. So that's that's one of my critiques of this film, was although it was funny and it was in Poe's character, I felt that it lasted too long and was pushed too hard. Um, that could have, honestly, you could have taken a solid five to six minutes out of that entire portion, that entire conversation. The holding for Hux was funny. The saying that holding for his mom or whatever it was, like that, okay, great. But, like, it should have just been those things. Um, I was looking, being part of the Skywalker saga, there is a serious tone to the film that the film must get back to very quickly based on what Star Wars is. Or get us out of the action. One of the two. Either give me a deep, good storyline like every Star Wars movie has done, like just a deep, deep story. You know, or give me action sequences. Give me lightsaber duels. Give me lightsaber fights. We'll talk about that later. Um, give me those things. I'm not here to see a slapstick comedy. That's not what this is. So, again, it was okay, but it was too long. It was way too long. Then the fighting began. Um, you know, Poe and that X-Wing, love watching him fly one of those things. Just so great. Just he's a, the, the character is an awesome pilot, so it's just fun. You got BB-8 in the back trying to plug all the electrical surges. Um, that was funny. That's the kind of comedy I want to see. He's a droid. He's a cute little droid, and he's trying to hold everything together. That reminisces for me with R2-D2. You know, doing doing stuff like that in the original trilogy. Okay, that's okay. It was a CG scene um, from what it looked like mostly, but it was it was not over the top funny. But at the same time, it gave me a little chuckle, and that's what that's what Star Wars has always done. So I like that. Um, the bombers were cool. Um, I like that kind of almost storyline with Rose's older sister on the bomber. Um, you know, and her kind of catching the controller and releasing the bombs. Cool stuff. Um, I, I thought that was beautifully shot, the whole thing. So no complaints there. Um, and then, you know, they fly off into hyperspace. And uh, Leia and Poe going back and forth. Um, I like that a lot because, um, first of all, Carrie Fisher was... Again, breathtaking as General Leia. Um, she will always be Princess Leia. Um, and her passing, um, if I, we could just segue for a second, her passing was definitely very difficult. If you're a huge fan of the of Star Wars, you know, Princess Leia is like a huge part of my life growing up. You know what I mean? I, I, I guess, you know, her character, I have like several of her action figures. Um, I played with those action figures you know, along with all my other characters that I have, I had, well, I still have, what am I talking about? Um, you know, growing up and, you know, I, I have a, a pencil, uh, portrait of her and all the Star Wars characters, you know, above the piano in my living room. I got that as a birthday gift. Um, you know, again, Princess Leia, the character, what she stood for really, 
was a big part of my growing up. So her passing was tough because Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia. You know what I mean? She's inspirational. She was a tough ass. She had the title of princess, yet she could beat ass. She could kick ass. And that was the point. And I think that she is an excellent role model for little girls. So I hope my daughter grows up with an affinity for Princess Leia. So I think Carrie Fisher did uh, the character so much justice in this film. Um, she was fantastic. And it starts here with her banter with Poe. They get into this argument, and, and she's right, and she is showing her experience and her poise in this conversation. You know, heroes, yeah, a lot of dead heroes, you know. Um, you can't solve everything by flying around her next wing and blowing stuff up. And what I loved about it was she's also tough. So when they're coming under attack, you know, she tells, Poe said, can I get into my X-Wing and blow stuff up? And she said yes. Um, that whole scene I thought was fantastic and really showed her her age, and I don't mean that in like a bad way. I mean like her uh, age is the wrong word. Her maturity, her her see, she's so seasoned. She's battle hardened, and she doesn't give a fuck. And she's the best there is. So you know you got young Poe, who's a hotshot, who wants to blow stuff up. You know, reporting to an old seasoned general, um, who was a princess at one point. So again. Love that. Love that completely. Um, let's see. Moving forward. So we're, we're in the... Okay. So they track them through hyperspace, and they realize that they have, like, this hyperspace tracking thing on, on Snoke's ship. Um, and they come under attack. Admiral Akbar, first of all, his death was way too soon. I was not ready for that. Um, and then I thought Leia was... I thought that was the, how they were going to send her off. Um, I was wrong. Now, everyone gets mad about the flying, her f flying through space. Okay. So maybe, I don't even know how to put it. Maybe it was dumb. No, it's, this is the thing. We know so little about the force as a, a, a literary portion of these movies. The Force. It is boundless and it is limitless. And I think that the movie was trying to push not only the audience into how little we understand about the Force, but the characters in the movie and how little they understand about the Force. And we, we'll talk about it later when Luke talks about the arrogance of the Jedi and the dogma. But, you know, I, I took that for what it was. She was able to use the Force to f pull herself through space. You know, I, I didn't really see a problem with it. People were like, well, that's so fake. They have laser swords, and they can move objects with their minds, and their spaceships. Oh, and in the first scene, uh, bombers were dropping bombs in the vacuum of space, which is not something that's physically possible. That's, like, against physics. So you want to yell about her flying through space? Again, it's a movie. It's a fic fictional characters. So... 
it, 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 take it for what it is. Um, I didn't have such a big fucking problem with it. Anyway, so, you know, she's got her head wrapped up. She's chilling out, um, whatever, what have you. Now, Finn. Finn. Finn, 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 Finn. I can't get a read on the guy. And I think it's going to take till episode nine for me to really make my final decision on Finn. Because he really is... I don't know, like, he's very selfish and very scared and very cowardly. I mean, sure, he did what he did at the end, which, again, we'll talk about. We'll talk about that later when we get to that portion. But he's, it's like he pisses me off and then he grows on me and then he pisses me off and then he grows on me. Um, and I don't know. Um, then he meets Rose. Um, I thought that that was... The actress that played Rose, her strongest performance was in the beginning um, with Finn catching him trying to desert through an escape pod, you know, and they say don't meet your, you know, don't meet your heroes because, you know, she was enamored with him until she found out he was trying to jump ship and she tased him. I thought that was good. I thought that that was all good. Um, Very good. And, you know... Now we move over. Now, you know, when Finn wakes up, what's the first thing he says? Where's Ray? So now here we are on Oct 2. Um, I totally didn't expect Luke to throw that lightsaber over his shoulder. I didn't expect it. Um, and it took me by surprise. That was like a punch in the gut. Like, I, I felt like I got punched in the stomach when he did that. Because um, that was his dad's lightsaber. And that was his lightsaber. <clears throat> um... I will say, hands down, this was Mark Hamill's greatest performance as Luke Skywalker, period. He played a broken, broken, broken man so well. How exactly how he'd imagine Luke to be if he was broken. I mean, not just fucking broken, haunted, disturbed. Like, I, I mean, he was disturbed by about himself and again this is another point where a lot of people had hate Luke would never do that Luke would never do that okay well what about Obi-Wan what about Yoda Obi-Wan thought he killed Anakin and he went into hiding on Tatooine Yoda lost to the self-proclaimed Emperor and went to Dagobah in hiding. But Luke goes to Octu into hiding. So, again, like, it seems like a uh, trend. So why are you so surprised? But with Luke, Luke, it's different. See, where Obi-Wan and Yoda separated themselves to keep the Jedi Order alive to train the new hope, hence episode four. That's why they were into hiding. Luke was into hiding to kill it, to kill all of it, to get rid of it all. All Luke has known is pain, and that pain has always centered around him. Finding out, you know, you got these dreams and these aspirations, and you're a good kid, and then you meet this 
you, you, you what happens? You meet these droids. You, your uncle buys these droids. Wrong fucking droids. And he sees the burned skeletons of his aunt and uncle that were mom and dad to him, really. Dead. He goes to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's all he's got, all he has at this point. He goes with Obi-Wan on an adventure. Obi-Wan dies. Darth Vader kills him. Not real. I mean, he allowed himself to be one with the Force. But at the end of the day, he, he was gone. So he died. Then, you know, Empire Strikes Back. He finds out Darth Vader, a mass murderer, a freaking enforcer for uh, an evil emperor, that's his dad. He learns that that is his dad. After being told by the guy who was his mentor that his dad was murdered and betrayed by Darth Vader, only for Luke to find out, no, Darth Vader is his dad, as Obi-Wan would say from a certain point of view. But again, now he's finding that out. He gets his hand cut off, and his hand and his lightsaber is gone. Um... Then from there, what, he's, he goes, you know, Shadows of the Empire, he builds a green lightsaber um, back at Obi-Wan's um, home on the Dune Sea. Um, y- you know, so, well, that isn't, that isn't really much lost there. It was just a fact. And then Return of the Jedi, you know, Yoda dies. And then he kill you know, the Emperor's killed by Vader, and then Vader redeems himself but dies right after redeeming himself. So Luke never really got to know his dad, which is something he wanted so badly. Um, you know, yeah, he allowed for his redemption. I mean, his son allowed his redemption. Sure, but he still died. Then... Luke establishes the first Jedi Academy. He takes on Ben Solo, his best friend Han, and his sister, her son, his nephew. He sees the dark side in him, fears what he could be, ignites his lightsaber, and then in shame realizes what it was that he was doing. And decided that he wasn't going to kill him. But Ben wakes up, sees his uncle towering over him with his lightsaber. And all the shit that was being fed to Ben in his brain, all the negativity, all of it, was proven there. Was proven by seeing his uncle. So now everything he thought was wrong with the Jedi came to fruition again the theme from a certain point of view even though the whole situation was out of context what does he do he pulls the building down on top of his uncle he escapes comes back with his cronies and fucking lights the bitch on fire and just like kills all of the the jedi that just fucking slaughters them and murders them well luke can just sit there and look at the fucking ashes now think about everything i just said luke went through wouldn't your ass just be like, fuck it. I'm done. Fuck it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I make friends with somebody. I try to be a hero. 
I try to save people. And what do I get for it? Everybody fucking dies all the time. Everybody dies. So he leaves. In hopes to never be heard from again. He sunk his X-Wing. Think about that for a minute. That's all I'm saying. So you want to argue that the character would never do that? I mean, sure. I guess. I don't really know from what viewpoint, from what standpoint you're writing it from. I think he, I think he was perfectly right when he said, what do you want me to do? Step in there with a laser sword and just save the day? That's just not going to go how you think it's going to go. And he's right because that's like life is like that. You know, you have these expectations of this is going to happen and that is going to happen. Um, and it just doesn't ever go that way. And that doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. But so moving forward, and I'm always interested in anyone else's thoughts on that. Moving forward, we have Ray, played by Daisy Ridley. Um, she is as talented, talented as she is stunningly beautiful. And she plays, again, an excellent Ray. Um, I love the fact that she was so hell-bent on being trained and that she just would sleep outside his door, even though he rejected her, tell her constantly to go away. I love the fact that she got Chewie. She went down to the Falcon and tattletailed on Luke to Chewie, and Chewie break, broke the door down. Did break my heart when Luke asked where Han was. Um, I wish they could have explored that conversation. It is what it is. Again, these are my little critiques. Um, and, you know, the green milk, that was different. Um, I mean, it gave me a chuckle. That's what Star Wars is supposed to do. Those types of funny scenes are supposed to be in Star Wars, where they're like, kind of like tongue-in-cheek, like, okay. You know what I mean? Where you get a little chuckle, you know, because you see the big old nipples, and he's squeezing them, and then he's, and then makes that sound, and you know, that was that was Star Wars. That was Star Warsy. I like that. Um, and then the Porgs. What is with all the people hating the Porgs for? Who cares? They're cute little things. Were they made to make money and sell toys? You bet your ass. But I like them. I don't, whatever. I think that's kind of a waste of time to hate something like that. Um, I like the scene where Chewie was like going to eat one of them, and it's just like the pork is like looking up at him, like, no, and just kind of like, well, there you go. Um, so I think the porgs were cool. Um, so yeah, so Luke refuses to train her, he refuses to train her, he refuses to train her, then he starts training her. And I thought that was kind of neat when he had her meditating on the rock with the little, the, the, leaf thing where he was like tickling her hand with it that was pretty funny um and then you know there wasn't much of an explanation of that black hole other than it was pretty much the cave on Dagobah the same idea um and then you know Luke said you didn't even try to get out to step away from the darkness you went right for it that's the first thing you went for and she was going off all the things that she was feeling. She was listing them. She was listing them off. 
and and I think a part of the movie, one of the few parts of the film that that made me a little misty, is made me cry a little bit, is when she said, "I didn't feel you," to Luke. That takes his leaving to a whole other level. We're talking about a Jedi Master. We're talking about the son of Anakin Skywalker, of the Skywalker bloodline. Hates himself so much for his perceived doings to others that he has disconnected himself from the Force. A portion of his life that fucking defines him and his power, his strength. He cuts himself off of it completely. And I think that hit me. That hit me pretty hard. Like Luke Skywalker doesn't even have any powers. He's nothing. So that was that was pretty that was some, that was deep. That was some deep shit. Um, and then moving forward, uh, I liked the fact that, uh, you got to hear Luke Skywalker reference Darth Sidious, um, which, you know, was neat when he was talking about the Jedi. Now, I found that to be very interesting, and I want to talk about that when we come back. Um, check out our sponsors. This is, uh, the Rockness Monster doing a solo podcast, for uh, The Last Jedi. We'll be right back. The Critical Mass Podcast can now be found at the 8oClockStop.com. That's the 8oClockStop.com. We're there along with our friends at the Hypothetically Speaking Podcast where they answer hypothetical questions. It's a lot of fun. And you'll also find a whole bunch of other fun multimedia there uh, from music to art to, well, all kinds of stuff. Check it out real soon. That's the 8oClockStop.com. Because it's cool to vape, right? Anyway, welcome back. Thanks uh, a lot for sticking with me. If you're bored, good. I've done well. Now, where were we? Yes, that's right. So we want to talk. I want to talk about Luke's discussion around the Jedi Order. Um, And the first time I, I saw the movie, you know, I listened to it. And it was like the second, third time that... While he was speaking, I really reflected on um, the prequels and the old Jedi Order, and i I thought it was I thought it was really good choice in writing for Luke to, you know, say the, what he said. You know that the Jedi Order had lasted thousands of years and for a thousand years. And there had been no Sith, and they kept uh, peace for the most part in the galaxy, you know, with issues here and there. Um, but mostly, for, like, for the most part, you know, the Jedi kept things in order. Now, with that being said, um, you know, he was very... Um, He, he said how arrogant they were. He was talking about their arrogance. And I, I could see it. I could see it in, you know, Mace Windu and, you know, the whole Jedi, uh, the, the High Council. 
you know, they kept a council and only certain people could be in um, based on their midichlorian count, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the rest, that they didn't even think of what was coming, you know, they didn't even think, they didn't have the forethought for that. They didn't see their defeat was in their victory because they had held peace for that long. They just got comfortable and didn't think that a Sith could infiltrate the highest levels of politics, you know, and there it was rearing its ugly head and fucked everything up, killed all the Jedi, almost all of them at least. I mean, it was a complete genocide. So Luke, to Luke's point, he was more like, why am I going to, this stupidity, this blind stupidity based on how much power you have, you know, why would I perpetuate this? Why would I, why would I continue this? And, you know, certain levels he's wrong because he's a broken man. So he's making excuses for himself. A part of it, he's right. He was right that they were arrogant. He was right that the dogma, just it was so much bullshit. Um, But where he was wrong was, you know, the Jedi were heroes. And sometimes you need that hero not just to come in and save the day, as Luke said with his laser sword. But he needs to be an inspiration. A hero just needs to be an inspiration. And I think that's a lot of what the end was about. A lot of people were mad about that. And again, we'll get to that later. Um, But it's about inspiring. It's about inspiring the uninspired to do good. To push yourself past your boundaries to make you feel good about you and to just be an example of what is right and you know I think Luke for a good portion of the movie had kind of lost that point until he regained it back at the end I think within itself that was his own redemption for what he perceives as his past sins. These are my thoughts. Feel free to disagree. But I think about this shit pretty deeply. If you're bored, don't listen. Now, um, yeah, I mean, think about that. You know, he was so broken that he had lost sight at that time of the good side of that which is the heroism, which is the standing up for those that cannot stand up for themselves, the, to protect those that cannot protect themselves. And in essence, that's how we should all try and live our lives. As far as I'm concerned, we should all try and be like the Jedi. You know, I would love to move objects with my mind, and I would love a lightsaber, but those things aren't real. So what do we learn? What do we take away? And it's that. It's that sometimes we just have to stand up for what's right. And even if we fail, we've actually won being an inspiration to others to hopefully take it further than we could. And I think that that's the whole underlying theme of the movie is that anyone 
can choose to be a hero. And that brings us to Ray. And we'll start at the force back vision. So we have all these force backs, not force backs. They, they use that term. I'm sorry. In the force awakens, I'll call it the force telephone. They were having all these force telephone situations where Ray and, and Kylo Ren could see each other and they talked, they got to know each other. They couldn't see their surroundings. They could only see one another. And they thought by some weird connection that they have that, they sunk up like two wireless routers. And Ray started with, I have nothing to say to you. You're a monster. To like listening to him. And him listening to her. And they started developing this almost like a relationship kind of thing. And I could tell that she actually was starting to care. You know, and he told his side of the story, and Luke told his side of the story. And then, of course, there was the true story, which we found out later, um, you know, where Luke was in there to kill him, but then felt shame and decided not to, but it was too late. And that's the real story. But, you know, I thought that was a really cool element to add. Another little piece of not, us not knowing the bounds of the Force and the characters as well, just not really having that much of an understanding of the Force. I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, you know, we find out later, obviously, that Snoke was up to that the whole time. I mean, he did that. But, see, I kind of think that there was already some type of connection there um, that Snoke was able to exploit. And that brings us to when they finally meet on Snoke's flagship. And Kylo says, you know who your parents are. You already know. You know, they were drunkards. They sold you for booze and died and are buried in a pauper's grave on Jakku. I, I don't know if he was telling the truth with that. Now, it goes along with the theme that anyone can be a hero in terms of Rey, where she is a nobody, yet she's really powerful with the Force, and she can choose to do the right thing as a normal person that's not part of some prestigious bloodline like the Skywalkers, right? So if we think about the, that element of the film all the way through, it makes sense that her parents are just nobody, that we've had all this buildup that she's from some type of, she's a Kenobi, you know, or something like that. She's really a nobody, and that's the point, is that she's a nobody that's going to become a somebody because she chooses to use the power that she does have to do the right thing. So again, what I feel is the theme of the film all the way through. We're not going to really know until episode nine. Or, like I said earlier, Kylo Ren was lying and that she does have some type of prestigious bloodline that would be counterpoint to what I feel the theme of the film is. However, it is Star Wars, still Star Wars, so it's still very possible. Who knows? We'll I feel like we'll find out in nine. So then they have that conversation, and then um, we'll, they had that conversation, I'm sorry, later. First... There was Snoke. Snoke threw her around the room like a rag doll. Ray tried to hold her own. He asked Kylo Ren to to kill her, and <clears throat> Kylo Ren instead turns the lightsaber on Snoke and cuts his bitch ass in half. 
Um, I felt that Killing a Snoke was a surprise. It was a surprise to me. Um, I didn't hate it. Um, I felt it was not so tense. It was a little lackluster in the way they chose to do, do it. However, um, I get it. Um, I think Killing Snoke and making Kylo top dog um, solidifies his place in the story as definitely the antagonist, as there is no redemption for him. Where Vader, there was. However, there could be a case for Vader not getting any redemption. Vader did kill millions, and, you know, Kylo isn't even close to that yet uh, that we know of. So who knows? There could be a redemption story there, but I don't know. Um, he became a petulant child after Snoke was killed. Just insane. Um, Hux being his little fucking bitch. He made Hux his bitch real quick. Um, and let me say the Praetorian Guard fight um, with Ray. And Kylo Ren versus Snoke's Praetorian Guards. Holy fuck not. That was an amazing action sequence. I loved it. I loved that action sequence. That kept me... That glued me to the screen. Just <laughs> glued to it. Now, with all of that being said, um, you know, they have that conversation about her parents being nobodies. Then, you know, they they smash, they, they break the lightsaber in half. Kylo goes down. Ray is, Ray bounces. Um, and they're, you know, that's that. Let's talk about what I think was the one thing that is my most major critique of the film. And it's in two parts. Um, part one, I thought Rose's character did fantastic in the beginning, and that's all really she needed to be in. Um, I didn't think her character really brought anything to the table. I mean, I'll just say it. She just didn't really, for me, maybe a few more viewings and some studying up on it, and maybe she'll grow on me, but I just didn't think that she was a useful character. Sorry if I offended anyone. She's just not, doesn't, didn't really do anything for me. Um, the Canto Bite scene, that whole scene was just, you just didn't need it. It was a spectacle for the eye. It was cool to see and had one little interesting tidbit, which I thought was cool. Those trees on the outside of the casino Apparently, those are incredibly, incredibly expensive, the most expensive trees in the galaxy because they're made from seedlings found on parts of Alderaan after it was destroyed, meaning those trees don't fucking exist anymore. And that, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty cool element to add to the film. You know, this like unique tree that, you know, anyway, it's nerd, nerd stuff. Um, but the whole scene, the scene as a whole, eh, eh, you know. Um, DJ, played by the incomparable Benicio Del Toro, cool character, amazing actor. Why did I not see more of him? 
I'm hoping nine, we see more of him. I thought that little weird lisp thing he had, or stutter, I should say, was was kind of cool to the character. I almost feel like he, like I feel like he added that, like he just like just did it, because he's that kind of actor, just like this guy's just gonna have a stutter, and I'm gonna play it with a stutter, and they just liked it, and I liked it too, and I like Benicio del Toro a lot. I think he's been in so many amazing films, you know. From Sicario, which was such a great film. Fucking Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I mean, shit. Any role he has played, I have liked. There's not been a role that he's been in that I didn't like. I wanted to see more of him in this movie. And I wish I did. I wish I saw more of him. So again, Canto Bite scene. It introduced DJ um, on a frivolous mission. To take down the shields of fucking Snoke's ship. They're the to get them through. So they could disable this hyperdrive thing. And okay. Eh. Ugh. Canto bite this name of the planet, the casino planet. Not just not necessary. I, I didn't think it drove the story anywhere that I wanted to go. At all. That's that's just it. It's just what I thought. Those are my thoughts, and I'm sticking to them. Um, so yeah, I liked I liked DJ though. I liked Benicio del Toro's character, and I wish I would have seen more of him. Um, and I did kind of like the little the little talk he had on the ship that they stole about how like you know they're like oh well, these are war profiteering. These are war profiteers. Like everyone on this planet, gambling their money. The writ, you know, there's money in war. You know, uh, we can even say that in our world. And he was showing her the holograms of all Tie fighters and walkers and all this shit. And then he started fucking showing pictures of X wings and Y wings on the hologram. And he's right. It's on both sides. Whether whether or not people are profiting from the the perceived good guys and the perceived bad guys, because there's always shades of gray. And I liked how they kind of they they just added a level to these to these films and the politics of it, um, which I liked. And they didn't. It wasn't like the prequels where there was a lot of politics. Um, it it didn't really give us a lot, but what it did give, and especially in that scene, I thought was really neat, and I really liked that. Um, so yeah, so there was that, that scene. And then Laura Dern. Can we talk about Laura Dern for a little bit? I'm going to, I think I'm going to talk about her character, Holdo, Holdo, Holda, Holdo, Holdo throughout, uh, until the next commercial break. Let me just take a little. Cannonball. A little bit of wine. Okay. Vice Admiral Holdo, who took charge of the Radis, which, haha, little uh, from, uh, I caught that, Rogue One, Admiral Radis, who was definitely slaughtered by Vader when his ship was taken at the, the Battle of Scarif. Now, she assumed command of the Radis and the Republic, f or not the Republic, the Resistance fleet at this point. 
I fucking hated her in the beginning. I thought she was a cowardice. I or a coward. I guess cowardice is something you show, and I shouldn't have added that as her as a female. She was a coward. That's what I thought. Um, she pl- see for me an actor, whether or not. I hate the character. If I hated or loved the character, you've invoked a feeling in me with your acting, and that means you're a good actor or actress. Obviously, she's a great actress because immediately I was like, I fucking hate this broad. Don't talk to Poe like that. You don't talk. You don't know him. That was kind of how I felt. Like, and I'm sitting in my seat in the theater. You don't, bitch, you don't know him. To talk to him like that. Until we get to where we understand her plan from the beginning. And here we are. And again, another layer of this movie. You don't really know who's good and who's bad. You, it's not really good or bad. It's, it's the gray areas. It's the perceptions. So... Poe leads a mutiny and takes Holdo into custody, if you will. And Holdo regains custody. So here I am thinking Poe is so dashing and debonair in his little coup on the Radis and fucking takes over the ship. What he thought he was doing, he thought he was doing the right thing. And we loved him for it. We loved him for for doing that because we thought, well, it's Poe Dameron. And Poe is doing the right thing. And to be honest with you, he was. But he did not trust the vice admiral when she took control back of the ship and she finally shared what her plan was. You, you, that so many layers have been added to that character. And then... When Leia wakes up and they have that that moment, that discussion, which apparently the they those two go way back, you learn that this wasn't just some bureaucrat. She was actually a friend of Le- Leia. Left her in charge, so Leia trusted her very, very much, and Poe who trusts Leia with his life can feel that the character can feel that um <clears throat> that's like when you you don't know someone and you just like judge them on little bits of information and then you realize they're actually good friends with someone you hold in very high regard and then you feel like an asshole for judging them and you're like wow I should have never done that that's kind of like the same idea that's like I shouldn't that that was bad of me to do. I should have just trusted you know the situation. But it's hard to do when you're in when you're in those types of situations. What I love is the layering and how they tell a story, you know, and there was a little story within the movie right there, that power struggle between Holdo and Poe, and they were both right and they were both wrong. Holdo should have been a little more forthcoming with her plans, at least to Poe. And Poe should have, 
be had a little more trust for Leia's decision in leaving her in charge had anything happened to Leia. I think there was resentment there from Poe, too. I think Poe had expected that Leia would make him um, admiral if she if something were to happen to her, and, and he found out that it was this vice admiral. Um, you know, take that resentment and his hot-headedness as it is, and there you go. You, you, you've got a recipe for you know, two, two clashing folks there. Um, and I thought that was really cool. I thought that that was really well done. And of course, as we know, which we're going to talk about later, um, Vice Admiral Holdo, uh, played by Laura Dern, she definitely makes the ultimate sacrifice. And I, I thought that that was great, but we're going to get into that later. Um, because that was one of those breathtaking visuals I've ever seen in my life. Now, so now, Let's fast forward to Crate. Um, so the Resistance gets their people off the uh, off the ship and onto Crate. They find some busted old skiff speeder things, and they land on Crate, and a battle begins. And for the most part, the resistance gets their ass fucking throttled, gets their ass completely fucking handed to them, done, beaten to death. Um, you know they do that thing with Rose and and crashing into Finn and blah blah blah, and kiss me or some other shit. I don't know. I don't like them too. I I don't know. It's gonna take me episode nine. To make a final verdict on Finn. And this is the thing. I want to like Finn. I want to like Finn. Okay? I want to. Now. All that occurs. And what? And enter Luke Skywalker. Haircut. Looking good. He, he goes. And the first thing he does when he arrives on planet is... He talks to his sister. I heard that Carrie Fisher wrote um, that dialogue between him, between her and and Luke. Um, I liked the little hair comment she made um, about her hair. And he hands her Han's uh, dice that hung in the Falcon. The scoundrel she loved. And the father of her, of her child. And they discuss how Kylo, how Ben is just far fucking gone. Far gone. Luke goes out to challenge. Kylo, like a petulant child, has every single walker. And the walkers look sweet. Those big-ass walkers, the heavy ones. And then you got your classic walkers that were there, too, like the, one, the toy one I'm looking at right now. Um, and they're just hammering Luke with everything that they had and they they call it off they they stop firing and Luke does that thing where he brushes his shoulder off and he's just standing there ain't no thing I thought that was odd that's when I started thinking something was fishy there because I mean come on I mean he's Luke and he can do anything but like that was odd so I was like, okay. So Kylo comes down. And they want to finish this. 
Luke ignites a blue lightsaber. Then I started to get confused. What is going on exactly? What is happening? And Kylo doesn't know. Doesn't have any idea about the blue lightsaber other than it's a blue lightsaber and it looks like the hilt of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader and and Luke after that. It looks like that lightsaber. Because it was. So we thought. And they fought, but they never touch. There was no... They never... The lightsabers never clashed. And they, they didn't touch at all. Luke did that cool thing where he bent back when he, like, swung at him. And that's when we realize that Luke is not actually there. Luke is actually projecting himself across the galaxy to another planet. He is utilizing the Force in such a way to project himself. Hence the look, hence... Because the lightsaber was in half... But he had, uh, you know, his, in his mind, in his projected version, he has the, his dad's lightsaber. And then when Luke realizes that he has just bought the resistance enough time to get out of those caves, he leaves Kylo there to look like a jackass. And I want to talk more about that after the break. Um, so we'll be right back. Stay right here. We're going to come back in. We're going to talk about that non-lightsaber duel, if you will, um, because there's a lot of layers there, too. Um, and I, I hope I hope you like uh, what you're hearing so far. If so, leave comments, leave, leave comments, leave some likes, and we'll be right back. If you're looking for a refinishing, a sealing, and a protection for your cement services, especially your garage, Check out Eagle Epoxy at eagleepoxy.us. They can also be found on Facebook at Eagle Epoxy or their phone number for a free quote, 585-402-4971. Tell them the Rockness Monster sent you for a free quote. Check them out. And we're back. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for listening to the sponsors. So, um... Where do we leave off? Yes, uh, the lightsaber, the non-lightsaber duel, if you will, on crate. There's a lot of levels there, at least in my opinion. But feel free to refute me in the comments or agree with me. I much prefer when you agree with me because I'm usually right. Mm -hmm. Now, Kylo Ren, we're going to start with him. He has an obsession. His obsession is his grandfather, Darth Vader. Um, the strongest, uh, arguably either him or, <clears throat> excuse me, him or Luke, or the strongest Jedi slash Sith to ever exist. Uh, Vader was merciless and ruthless, but what made him the most dangerous is that he thought he was right. <clears throat> That's what made him the most. He thought he was bringing security and justice by killing fucking everything in brutal ways. Um, and that just was, you know, his malice and his hate driven by constant psychological and physical pain. Every minute of every day, every fucking millisecond he was in pain. 
emotionally, physically, psychologically, just a broken, shattered shell of a man who found his only solace was found in slaughter. Um, and Kylo Ren really looked up to that. Um, to be completely honest, he thought that that was fucking great. He thought he was super cool. Um, it's kind of like a kid whose grandfather was like a fucking member of the KKK, but he was still a good guy. And he really looked up to him. Vader was not he, deep within his soul in the deepest, deepest parts that good man Anakin still existed. That hero, he, he was, you know, he redeemed himself in Return of the Jedi. However, it's not really that that we all remember. We remember Vader for his malice. Now, with that being said, Kylo idolized him and was obsessed with him. And in his mind, in his deranged mind, um, Kylo thought, and, and stay with me, the one thing Vader couldn't do was kill Luke. That was what Vader could not kill his son. And I think Kylo perceived... And it became his obsession that if he kills Luke Skywalker, he is now more powerful than Darth Vader because he did what Vader wasn't able to do. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in. Okay. Now, I think Luke knew that about him. I think Luke knew that well, and I think everything Luke did at the end of that film played off of that. Because I think Luke was done with the killing. I think Luke was done with the death. And I think at that point, Luke saw a future in the leadership of his sister, Leia, and Rey. I think Rey brought him a glimmer of hope that he had never seen before. And I think that that was, was very, um, very important. And I think that he wanted to punish Kylo, but I think he wanted to humiliate him. <laughs> so, first of all, Luke projects himself across the galaxy to face him and made sure they didn't touch till the end of their little battle because Luke was just buying time for the resistance. He ain't stupid. And at the same time, was humiliating his nephew. He shows up with a blue lightsaber. That is the lightsaber Kylo feels is his birthright. He feels that that lightsaber, because it was once Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader's lightsaber, that that was his birthright. And he collects Vader relics. So that would have been a fine addition to his collection, that, that hilt. And Luke was fighting him with it, even though they, they never touched lightsabers. That was another thing. Luke was playing defense. He, he never struck nothing further to humiliate him. And then what do we have? The grand finale where Luke reveals that he is a, like, a, like a hologram of himself, a projection of himself. Reveals that. And there he was on Octu, sitting cross-legged projecting himself with his mind only to slowly open his eyes and gaze upon the twin sons of Tatooine 
where he let himself become one with the Force. Thusly, never, ever giving Kylo Ren the satisfaction of killing him. Do you see what I mean? That was so orchestrated by Luke as a psychological attack on his nephew. You are a failure and you will not win is what he was telling him in this situation. And rather than telling him that, he wanted to give him quite the graphic. You will not win. And he did that in, I think, in a grand showcase. People were mad. They wanted to see a lightsaber duel. Sure, that would have been cool. I don't disagree with you. But I feel that this message, when you really think about it, is incredibly powerful. And is good writing. He did not want to give him the satisfaction of falling to Kylo's blade. Which would just beef up his ego and make him think that he is so strong. Also, at the same time, buying enough time for the Resistance to get the fuck out. So, that happens... And the Resistance escapes on the Falcon. Ray lifts all the rocks. At the end of the film, we do see the books from the, the tree. Um, a quick tidbit on that. Yoda's little scene was excellent. And the question becomes, did Yoda put those on the Falcon? Did Luke put those on the Falcon? Or did Ray put those on the Falcon? And I think there's a significance based on whomever had actually put them on there. Because I, I, I don't know who put them on there. Um... It could have been any of them. If it was Luke, um, it was early when he went on the Falcon. Um, if it was Rey, you know, she stole them quick because she wanted the texts. Or if it was Yoda who just wanted to further fuck with Luke and make sure the texts stayed alive, if you will. Um, I hope they play a big role in 9, um, in Episode 9. I really want to see that. I think that's cool. I think that'd be cool. Um, but Yoda as a puppet... Wow, I'm so glad they went that route. Um, I love Yoda as a puppet, a good old-fashioned Jim Henson puppet. Um, but I think what is... People hate the CG Yoda, I think. And I don't. Um, I just prefer the puppet. And I'm glad that that's what they used. Kept a classic, made it feel good. It felt like a Star Wars movie. Um... And then, you know, we have our end where, you know, Poe talks about how they are the spark that will ignite the fire that is the resistance. Um, I thought it was great. Um, overall, I thought this was a great movie. Um, was it the best Star Wars film? No. Was it better than the prequels? Yes. Um, I still hold The Empire Strikes Back Episode Five as the greatest Star Wars film and the greatest film of all time. Um, it, it didn't get there for me. It didn't get to that level. Um, I thought Force Awakens was much more fun. This definitely had much more of a somber tone to it. Um, but I, I loved this film. I, I did. I really did. Um, I would say that Again, it was 
I don't think it was any better or worse than The Force Awakens. Um, I kind of liked them both equally because in my mind they were different, where The Force Awakens was kind of like a fun romp through the galaxy, like A New Hope. Um, this was much more somber, like The Empire Strikes Back. Um, it wasn't as good as Empire, but it, it definitely was a great film. I, I can't say that enough. Um, honestly, the visuals alone in this movie, this movie was beautifully shot. I mean, it was a beautifully shot movie. Um, but, you know, I love The Force Awakens, and I love The, uh, I love the Last Jedi. Um, I, I can't really pick a better one. I could say they're both better than the prequels. I'd rather watch both of these movies than any of the prequels. Um, I'd say episode three would be the best prequel. That's just my opinion. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Um, I thought that was a great movie. But anyway, um, this movie, The Last Jedi, it was a great film. Uh, if I'm going to rate it on a scale of one to ten, um, ten being the best, which I would give Empire a perfect ten, I would say The Last Jedi is a strong 7.5. Um, you know, uh, there were... Canto Bite was unnecessary. Rose was unnecessary. Um, there were little things here and there. Um, you know, I give it a 7.5 out of 10. That's my rating. Um and I want to see it again in the theater before it's out of the theater, but it's a Star Wars movie, so it'll be in the theater for like a year. Um, and obviously I'm going to buy the Blu-ray with all the deleted scenes and all the special shit because it always comes out around my birthday. <clears throat> so, yes, um, it was a great movie. Um, and it's just made me more excited to see Episode Nine. They're going to conclude this. They said that Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, was told in nine movies. And they're ending the Skywalker Saga here. I'm very interested in where it's going. I can't wait to see it. Um, so, again, I hope you liked uh, my kind of like my breakdown, like my synopsis, my review. Um, please leave some likes. Um, comment, comment, comment. Um, I respond. I'll respond to every one of your comments. Um, let's keep it. You know, I don't want to hear any outlandish shit. Um, like constructive. Um, if you want to correct me or you didn't like anything I said or you'd like to debate something, I'm always up for that. Um, keep it clean, but I'm all about it. Um, I'm. I like it. Um, yeah. So thanks a lot. Uh, Solo is coming out in May, a Star Wars story. Um, I was very concerned about the film until Ron Howard took it over. And um, I love Ron Howard, so I have high hopes. Um, and then episode nine will be May 2019, I believe they said. And I'm very, very, very excited for that film. So... With that being said, um, yeah, I just thank you again. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, this has been the Rockness Monster of Critical Mass. And uh, stay, uh, stay nerdy because it's important. And if you like my review, this is my first uh, podcast review. So, you know, let me know. And I can do other movies and I take requests. Uh, what I like to do is I like to... Drink some wine and talk about a movie I just saw. So 
please, uh, if you want if you want me to review any other films, um, give my synopsis. You let me know, and I will throw it up online. Thanks a lot. <laughs> they come from butts.